introduction and then I'm going to introduce our special guest. I would like to welcome you, those of you who are here from Facebook, Bruce Smirnoff's friends and fans. Thank you for coming in. Come in, have a seat, sit close together here. It's okay. Nothing goes viral near me. Also, those of my fans, welcome, come in, sit down. You guys can sit. It's not like a wedding ceremony. You can intermingle too. It's all right. So Comic Spot is where this little army veteran gets to vet out veterans the comedy. And you have one here before you today, as sure as he has kitty cats walking around. We have Bruce, Bruce Smirnoff here today, 45-year veteran of the comedy world. Knows how to salute. Are you ex-military? I'm, I'm ex-nothing. I'm ex-cleaning cleaning maid. That's it. <laughs> Nice to, have, nice to be on someone else's show. They have me hosting all these other podcasts, and it's great to just sit back, be with a friendly face, someone I've never met before, and uh, talk about comedy. There we go. And your bio that you sent me, the intro, says he's been doing stand-up comedy for 45 years. As I said, he saw so much and accomplished so very little. And he's a story. Correct? correct? Am I correct? Correct. I, I have literally nothing to show for 45 years in show business. Yeah, the most <laughs> cats I, and a purple shirt. Yeah, and a purple shirt with a purple ring. Yes. I love purple. I know how to dress, not too good with the career. <laughs> it reminds me of something Wendy Liebman said that she's really she's into uh like the the things like uh you know like feeling touchy things because the money thing hasn't worked out. <laughs> I think she's done very well for herself. She's, I would, I would call her a star. Thank Wendy. you. Right. Yeah. I, I adore her style of comedy. That's the person that I aspired to be like in comedy it says here as to the above intro, my stories are known are what I'm known for. So that will be the focus of this interview. You guys. Sure. Sure. And the stories are part of a one-man show. Other than my health, I have nothing, is one of his one-man shows. And today, I don't feel so good, which was performed throughout the U.S. and Canada for five years. Throw your <laughs> cell phone away. Just to clear that up, that's only one show. That's the title. Other than my health, I have nothing. And today, I don't feel so good. It's kind of like a punchline on the title. So... Only one show, and yes, it 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 went for five years, and um, it went to uh, went to a couple of festivals, performed a lot in Los Angeles. I used to always I used to make sure I had it in like fifty seat theaters, and I used to pack it each time. And thank God, people left uh, very satisfied, and I did it to try to get myself involved in a sitcom, and uh, it didn't happen. But I got close, but close doesn't count in show business. Oh, man. Tell me some of the high points in your career. Well, the whole idea of this show was to only focus on my low points. I have no <laughs> high points. If I had high points, 
I don't think I'd be sitting here with you. I would be, you know, I would be immersed in something, but I wouldn't be doing people's podcasts. I enjoy doing it, but I wouldn't be uh, this. Uh, <laughs> I, what happened in a nutshell, Linda, is I moved to Los Angeles very young. I have really, I'm not tooting my own, I just have an interesting look and it works for comedy with a face like this. So I moved to LA, ex totally inexperienced, but because of my looks, I was given a lot of opportunity right out of the gate. And because I didn't know how to act and I had an attitude where I got this covered, I know what I'm doing. I didn't realize that doing stand-up and acting were two different things. So I, I had a, a lot of opportunity that just kind of fell through my hands. And the show is all about my stories because these horrific stories all happened with America's icons, Carol O'Connor, Johnny Carson, just to name a few. Well, those are the, the two big disasters I had in my life and early on. So I kind of knew at the beginning of my career that, well, actually I didn't know. I, I, I just, it was over, but I didn't realize it until about 20, 25, 30 years later. But uh, it's a really funny show and it is available on YouTube. You can watch it, you can download it or whatever. You don't download, you just go and watch it. It's very funny. One of the things I'm very proud of. So the show that you went and performed around the country for five years, people yeah. can go watch it for free on YouTube. Yeah, yeah. Doesn't mean That's anything incredible. to me anymore. You can watch it, no money, just watch it, just enjoy it. What's the name of your YouTube channel? What's the name of the YouTube channel? I don't have a YouTube channel. You just type in like uh, Bruce Smirnoff, one man show. It'll take you to it. And Wonderful. Yeah. How long did it take you to write? Many, seriously, do you know how many people that are watching this, if there's anybody watching this right now, are going to go to YouTube and watch that show? The answer is zero. It's zero. I don't think anyone's watching this. And I don't know. Oh, you. Okay, you. You'll enjoy it. You really will. You'll get an idea of, uh, of where, where I came from and all about. But that show is already, that's like 1995 to 2000. We're talking 20 years later. And I don't even live in Los Angeles anymore. I live in Delray Beach, Florida. This is really pathetic. I live in a 55 and over community. <laughs> I work, I have a job with an agency, a booking agency, and we book the cruise ships, which as you know, full swing right now. Ships are sailing all over the world. Absolutely nobody on them, but they're sailing. And I have no job right now, but once, the pandemic ends and uh, we will get back. I work for a Don Casino agency and we are one of the premier cruise ship agencies in the world. And uh, when you take a cruise and you watch the show, the chances are we have had something to do with booking, I would say over 35, 40% of the talent that you see on the ships. Holy Toledo. I had no idea that you did that. I didn't either. I make shit up. I have no idea what I'm talking about. <laughs> Next, I'll tell you I'm like, I have superhuman powers. I, I just go with it. Big thunderstorm going on here, Linda, right now as we speak. We had one on Monday. It was so severe. And like a schmuck, I'm making YouTube videos out of the front of my, my door, showing everybody what a, what a storm it is. And what's called a mini, I believe it's called a mini cyclone 
hit my home and it uprooted all these trees in my backyard. But the real bad thing was it caused what you always hear about a power surge and it exploded my air conditioner. And I only got my air conditioner, that was Monday. I only got my air conditioning back today. So I am so happy right now, but for about three, three and a half days, I was one unhappy uh, character. It, was, it got to be 87 degrees in my, my home and it's now 77. 77 is fine, could even be 78, 79, I'm okay with it. But when you go tick it up 10 degrees, it's like a torture chamber and that's what I've been involved with. So uh, I'm very happy that I got my, uh, my AC back. But now it's pouring again and uh, who knows? I think lightning only strikes once. So I'm, I'm <laughs> Wow, what a story. You weren't outside with your keys or anything, right? No, I was in the house. I, was, I had the screen doors open and I was shooting it. If you go to my Facebook page. I saw and, it. And, 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 and it's pouring rain, but then all of a sudden, and I, and I even remarked, wow, this is pretty amazing. And like a moron at that moment, the tree, these giant uh, ficus trees are like coming down onto the house, didn't do any damage, but the power surge, because uh, a lightning bolt hit, and that was, and that was the end of the uh, air conditioning. Boom. So, oh my goodness yeah. sakes. So that's as close as you want to get to ACDC or the band. Correct. We're yeah. going to go with that. Yeah. So my main question about you in Delray Beach living in that community is, did your parents sign to get you in it? No, I'm 60. I'm going to be 64 years old. So I'm entitled to live in this place. <laughs> I've, I'm, a, I'm, I'm a bit youngish thinking for the people who live here like about uh, four weeks ago. These people are locked in. These people are elderly people. They're very nice people, they're, but they're significantly older than me. One day I'll be there too, so I'm not disparaging them, but they are Jewish people with the paranoia that they are getting COVID, not even 19, they're getting COVID 23 because they're Jews and they have to get everything bigger than the other person. So when they found out that about a month ago, I had performed with Craig Shoemaker at the Improv down here. We did like five shows live, high-fiving people, holding the microphone, kissing the girls, all that. I am, I, a pariah doesn't describe what I have become here. These people that usually like to come over and talk to me, they stand like a hundred feet and it's already, it's almost six weeks now. So it's two weeks is the time to quarantine. It's six and they won't talk to me. And it, I, I'm, I, if, they could, if they could talk to me in a helicopter, they would prefer to do that. That's how nutty they are. So I have, I've lost touch with, with all my neighbors. <laughs> it's still a nice place, I like it here. If Very you need nice. to borrow sugar, you're just gonna be SOL, aren't you? Well, I also cook, I started baking. That's the <laughs> other thing that happened. I started to bake so much that I blew out my oven. I blew <laughs> out my oven a week before I blew out the air conditioning. And to try to get a repairman down here, I, the, the AC people were okay, but, the, but, but to get an oven, see all these people live here, they all have ovens, but nobody cooks. Everyone goes out to eat because they're elderly. They don't want to cook. They cooked for the children, 100 years. Now they're not, but with this pandemic, everyone is using the stoves and everyone like me, is blowing the stoves up and you cannot get, I called GE 
They don't even take phone calls anymore. You have to do everything online and you have, to, and the appointment was three weeks in advance. And then the day comes and the, the repairman texts you like every, I'll be there between uh, 12 and one. I'll be there one to two. I'll be there three to four. After four, this idiot never even texted me back. He just like, they, they wrote me off. It's like, they don't give a shit because they got, they have so much work, they don't care. So then all I could get, nice guy, no speak of the English, not a problem. He came, nice truck, very clean cut guy. He looked at the situation and he had to order the part. But I don't know what stops the US mail. The part hasn't arrived yet. You know, it's just all they have to send me a part like this big, but the, somehow the mail is affected. So now he is coming tonight. So it is conceivable that at the end of this show, when I wait one hour, Mr. Hernandez is coming with the stove part and I will have both AC and cooking again. Now that brings me back to the beginning of the story where I agree because you said they won't borrow a cup of sugar. Whoa, is that lightning and thunder going on? I learned how to cook, not well, but I learned how to cook and I make all the goodies for all my neighbors. Because wow. I uh, just like to make stuff and, and I've learned how to make uh, lots of pastries, lots of cookies and brownies and things and, uh, and banana cake. No, that's wonderful. I bet they anybody love you. Awake? Hold on. Is anybody awake watching this? I am monitoring, you know, comedians do self-monitoring. This is maybe the most boring interview, not your problem, my problem, I'm going off on the most inane, moronic things that have nothing to do with show business because I have nothing to do with show business. And uh, I don't even know why you had me on this show. <laughs> somehow you felt that this would enhance your uh, visibility on Facebook. You will probably lose, I would say 93% of your following after this idiotic interview. But go ahead, ask another question. What's it like to be in charge of cruise ship comedy? It's interesting because being, a, I perform on the cruise ships too. I, I don't presently, obviously, but these, a lot of these guys that I've known for years, it's my job to get them work. And I, I love it. I love doing it. But at the same time, there's a lot of great comedians that aren't right for cruise ships because cruise ships, you're, you you get judged after every show. People write comments. And if you are edgy, if you press or push push the envelope, you do anything that's not like in a corporate way, you get fired. So I have to view some of my dearest friends that I think are incredibly funnier than, than other people. But I don't think it, I have to decide whether I think they'll be right for a ship. I bring that to my bosses. We discuss it and then we, we move on. And most of my choices have been good. And, and I will say that there's probably a few guys that I was, that I, I was friends with that I tell them that, you know, I don't see how it, this, your act would, might work on the ship. So there are difficult moments like that, but that, not many. And again, the, 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 the opposite side of being able to get people work is just a, it's a pleasure for me. And you want to know why? Because I can't do it anymore. If I wanted the ships, I wouldn't book anybody on them. I book myself. But you go batshit crazy on these cruise ships. And I lost it. I started going like in 07. And I think I lost my mind about 10, 2010. Because you're talking about 25 weeks a year on these ships, flying around the world, 
with the work. Like if you need to get to China, first they fly you to Russia, then they fly you back to like Burbank, then they fly you to China because they found the nickel that they saved on the uh, airfare. And it, it beats you up so badly when you get to, it's just a crazy life. It's great. And then when you do a show, if you don't do well, you get fired. It's that simple. There's no, we'll cut you some slack this time. I did a show, my first show, they saw these cruise people saw me and they put me on a very elegant ship up in Alaska and high end. I'm trying to imagine what an elegant ship looks like. Oh, you, they're five star, Regent, uh, Regent uh, Mariner, phenomenal ship, still, still cruising. Are we running out of time or have I got time to tell you this story? Oh, you can go for an hour. So they gave me this, they gave me a 21 week contract, not in a row, but for the, for the year. And I, and it's that this particular week are funeral directors. Okay. Charter crews. Hey, they're not very energetic people that they, they are, you know, they are exactly their job. And I get introduced and I'm very nervous because this is my first time on a performing on a ship. And as I'm, as, as the, the MC is not on stage, he's up in the sound booth and he's welcoming everybody. What's going on in reality, in real time is someone is having a heart attack and they've collapsed right in the center of everything. So everyone sees the person collapsed and I see the person collapse. So I think they're going to hold the show, but the, the cruise director doesn't see the collapsed person. So he introduces me and I walk out on stage and I see all these people, they're beating on this guy's chest and I'm a comedian. I don't know what, the, and then my microphone is cut off with the ship's alarm, code blue, code blue in the showroom. And then that goes off and I'm, I'm just watching this and I, I've just never happened to me before. And I, I looked at the audience and I said, looks like someone's going to get a little extra work this week. <laughs> and it was improper to say it was very funny, but not the right thing to say. And then on top of it, I froze. And then I said, hey, look at the bright side. You'll be able to write this trip off as a tax deduction. <laughs> okay. Those are two very funny lines, but they're not appropriate for a cruise setting. And I was promptly... I mean, I cleared the room out. I mean, it was like, it was like rows of corn, up, out, next joke, up, out. And I, I must've had 350 people by the end of my show, nine people, Jewish people that felt sorry for me. That's all I had left. And then they fired me. And then I told the story to my agent. At the time I wasn't working for the agency. They were just my agent and they started laughing. So they said, that really sounds like a weird situation. So then they called the vice president of the company up and I told him the story and the guy dropped the phone. He was laughing so hard and he goes, okay, you're back on. And that was it. And then I never again. Now, since that happened, this is why I'm so divorced from show business. Cause when you're living in Hollywood, you got young vital people. You don't have to worry about people dropping dead. I've had three other shows now where people have taken dives, dropped dead, had go into cardiac arrest. So now I know how to handle it. But who, how do, who goes to the improv and you, and you go, have you ever handled somebody dropping dead in the show? No, but this is what you learn when you're on cruise ships, how you deal with that. Absolutely, oh my gosh. So what, what has been a funny thing that a heckler has said that you've heard of? Anything a heckler says is not funny. Let me oh. tell you that because you, you do stand up, correct? 
Yes. So you got your mind going, you're in your zone, anything a heckler says, and usually not only is it bad, it could be really bad, and then it throws you off. So there's never been anything good a heckler has. I've had some, I've, I don't get heckled that much, and my, my character on stage is like a schmuck, so it's like everything happens to me, you know, with this, with this look on my face. So if I get heckled, I can't switch gears and go, hey, you blankety blanket, blah, 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 blah. I can't do that. My demeanor would shift in the audience and go, where did this come from? Who is this guy? So uh, I've had a couple, I mean, I've had my, my heckler, like maybe four times in my life and it was bad, but that's, I'm not a heckle. People don't heckle me. I, what I do is I make fun of myself. So I don't antagonize people that leads to people wanting to heckle me. So I hope that answers your question. I don't really It does. It really does. So what do you have? Like, do you have a lot of irons in the fire while you're on COVID out time? Irons in the fire. I'm sitting here kissing the ass of of an air conditioning guy that had a stutter. I'm waiting now for a Mexican guy who doesn't speak English. These are the most important people in my life right now. And you're asking me, what have I got irons in the fire? I think you need to go to a mental institution and tell them what you just told me because no, there's nothing going on. There's nothing. And that's a shame because these entertainers that aren't working now, forget the stars. The stars are cool. They're great. They've made it. They got millions. If they haven't put it up their nose or gotten divorced, they're set. But these entertainers that are friends of mine, these guys, you know, they, they're hurting and it's just, it's, it, I, I, I'm, I hear, I mean, you know, I don't, you know what, I'm not going there because it, I have nothing positive to say and I don't want to be negative, but right. this is a very difficult situation. And yeah, because yeah. people are behaving in such a scared way, we may be the last thing to get entertainers, whether they, I'm hearing stories, they want to do Broadway shows and put plexiglass between the performers and the audience. Oh, that's real personal. And then if everybody's wearing and plexiglass, what if you're a comedian and you tell a joke through the peck? All right, so the speaker comes over the plexiglass, but your audience, it, how is that gonna, you know, how is that gonna, mo- anyway, don't wanna get negative, don't wanna go there. This will pass. This is just that we're in the middle of something that, you know, we probably in our lifetimes. Oh, there's it. And we're in something that uh, air conditioning, stay on. (laughs) And, um, and hopefully we get, we get, we will get through this. I mean, you have to be positive because this is, uh, we've had situations like this, but not in our lifetime. So everything seems uh, more scary. And then with the lightning and the thunder, even more scary. Yes. You know, you that I go to a mental on a one to five how am I rating right now as a guest am I in the upper fours you're in the fours until you said I should go to a mental institution for I'll my drive head. you there I'll drive you there <laughs> I'll I, have, the Uber. <laughs> <laughs> I have another question god forbid okay so a lot of artists have a lot of irons in the fire. They're writing a screenplay. You have a, a one-man show. You've done comedy for 45 years. Are you working on anything because of being a- I told you that. Over, 
O-V-E-R. I'm retired. I'm lucky I have the part-time job. I have worked the condominium circuit down here. And I'll tell you something. You know what's interesting? The ships make you really good because you get fired if you're no good. And these condominiums are very interesting because the audience is 100% the same. What's the, there's, a, there's homogenous, which means a mixture of everything, right? And what, no, homogenous is one, hetero, hetero is many, homos, homog, anyway, I don't want to say the word homo because that, that's bad word, but homo, homogeneous, these audiences are all the same. They're all Jews that are from a 25 mile radius. This is how clannish Jewish people are in the New York, New Jersey, Connecticut area. And they all live here. So even though they're individuals, they think with one mind and they are a very tough audience until you learn how to work them. And then once you learn how to work them, they are the greatest. Every show I do down here, because I've learned from these people, the Jewish people and the cruise ship people, very difficult, two different horrible audiences. But when you learn how to manage them, it, I've never been funnier. It's not doing me any good, but I've never been this funny before. And it's just a waste of everything. If I had the level I'm at now, when I was 22, again, we wouldn't be having this conversation. So I'd be in Beverly Hills and I wouldn't be taking your call. But <laughs> one last happening. Since you are taking my call, I have one last question. Okay. So You're very fun to work with. I could talk, talk to you for hours. You, yeah, you can't offend me. I'm so beyond being offended. Hopefully they have high-speed internet at the mental institution. You can get right <laughs> on and stay on all the time. What's your question? <laughs> <laughs> my question is, since you're very young, you're at the young end of the spectrum where you live. Are there a lot of Jewish cougars these days? A lot of what? Jewish cougars. Oh. Women. women. Oh. Now, there's, there are a lot of single women here, uh, but <laughs> they're significantly older than me. <laughs> Good. And I, but I stay in shape. I just bought a spin cycle. I'm going absolutely bananas on my spin cycle. I should be dead in a week and I don't have to worry about the cougars. I just have to worry about the, what size coffin they're going to put me in because I can't <laughs> stop spinning and you shouldn't be getting your heart rate at this rate when you're 64 years old. Oh my God, is it raining? Holy mackerel. Are you going to hold up your cats so everybody can yeah, see? They, I, I mean, if I got to go and get them so then you won't see anything. If they come near me, I'll swoop them up. All right. I, that's another thing. I never had an animal all these years because I've never, I've always been on the road and career first. So I have two cats and they are, I love them. And uh, it's exciting to be a pet owner. Now I understand all the, why people with pets, you know, fall in love and, and all that good stuff. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a, I have a weakness, you know, like I fall in love with the apartment I'm in. I, I name my cockroaches and stuff, you know, like That's I true. just, so pets, yeah. I, I talk to my pets like they're humans. Do you do that with your cats? Of course, we watch pet fit. We watch pet rescue videos together, and I keep looking at them, going, "Look what could happen to you. You better be nice to me, or you're going to be one of these cats in the video soon." And then they, uh, you know, they they don't miss the litter box. They're very obedient and they do the right thing. Guess what I'm going to do today when I get off watching this 
Get where done. are you in? Are you in Vegas? Is that where you are? Yes. I'll tell you where you're going to be. You're going to be indoors. That's whatever you do, it'll be, do, be done indoors. Then. Yeah. What I'm going to watch do? your YouTube one man show. That I, can I can't do better things to do in life. But yes, that you should get a couple of good laughs out of it. I'm going to watch it at five o'clock Pacific today. And if you're not a good boy, I'll put it on a watch party on Facebook. Hey, let me tell you something again. This show, <laughs> this show from beginning to end is perfect. And I dare anybody watching. I'll tell you what, I don't, there's so many other things in the world to do, but anyone who watches it, you give me any criticism on it, I'd be very curious to hear. I mean, this was like, what happened was it just came too late in my career and uh, nothing happened from it, but the show's really funny. And I don't brag about myself, only that show, because it's all real and it's all true. And I absorbed a lot of hits in my life to be able to deliver these stories and to admit what a failure I had been, but in a very funny way, and to admit my shortcomings. And, and unfortunately, these happened with some of the biggest names in show business. So it's, it's, it is interesting, and I think you'll like it. I will because I have a whole, I have almost seven decades of stuff that's happened and I haven't yet figured out how to make people want to listen to it and laugh. You look so young. I can't imagine you've been around for seven decades. 69. I just turned 69. Oh, wonderful. You look great. You should come down here and uh, you won't get anything, but like all the other women, you'll just have, they have friends. You know what's funny <laughs> here? The women... When you go to these communities, there's the single women, yeah. and then there's the women that are still that still have their husbands, and it forms like a caste system because when women go to the show or they go to the club uh, for activities, the single women all go with a bunch of girls, and the married women they sit there and they look, they look like, look, I got a husband, you got nothing. Look, I mean, the husband's like on oxygen with the spots up and down the arm. He could drop dead at any moment, but because he's still taking in oxygen, that puts them in a superior level to the other women there. It's, these people are, these people are, well, they're like you, they're nuts, they're crazy. They're, <laughs> they're, 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 you know, they're great people and they are the best audience you could ever possibly uh, want once you learn how to crack the yeah. What's one key for that, that particular kind of audience? What's the one that, you know, it's, it's funny. It's, I, I don't, I, I, you just have to be, uh, you can't be dirty. You can't do off color. I once did a joke, like in the first two years that I was here, I was just starting to really get it. And I did a joke. Uh, what was the joke? I, I said, my grandmother had Lou Gehrig's disease and Alzheimer's disease. She <laughs> swore she hit a hundred home runs, but she never remembered when. And I know that's a great joke. And, but I lost the crowd. I had them for like 15 minutes and the whole, because these people are homogenous, yeah, they all turn off, they either turn on to you together or they turn off. So I'm like looking at them and it was all signs and I went, I just need to stop my show for one moment. I'm recognizing that the joke I just did probably offended many people in the room and the whole audience, they're all there with the, with the Jewish nod on the head and I said, I want to apologize. Aww. Now may I continue my act? And they all give me the thing. And then it picked right up, like within a joke or two. But th that's how you have to learn. You can't be, 
And yet, it's it's strange. It's hard to describe, but but they, because they think as one, you have to be in their wheelhouse. They don't like, and it's nothing personal. They don't like waspy type comedians that just kind of like. And then you know what that's that are so they like what what I call huff and puffers, or they like stickers. Like I do shtick but they like Italian comedians down here because the, these Italian guys, you can see them. There's so many funny, funny Italian comics there. You know, they start and the wife told me, oh, I said, what are you gonna do? And then they start huff and puff and they go to levels of screaming. And the Jews love that because they were raised, as I said, all in the same areas. And they remember the Italian kids that they were uh, brought up with. And, they, and they, they get a kick out of that too. Wow. One of the greatest joys of my life, I know you're not big on joy, but <laughs> I get it. But <laughs> one of the biggest things that I got to do in my life is my mom was in a Jew Jewish nursing home and we had a rocky relationship. It was all her fault. And then when she passed, I realized, oh, wait a minute, maybe not. And so I wanted to get rid of the Jewish guilt I had. So I went there and said, can I do comedy here every week? And so I did comedy at her place to get rid of my guilt, and it worked. <laughs> you know, I used to visit. I have, I, I, in my family, unfortunately, Alzheimer's runs in my family. So I used to visit when I would come down here. I had an aunt Lil, and she was in one of these places that you're describing. And I would go to visit her, and I mean, I just you have to put your mind you have to go into comedy zone because you'll flip out when you, so my aunt used to just sit there with a handbag, lipstick on, and you would just sit there with her and you'd look at her and go, how's you doing Aunt Lil? And she'd just go, I have no money. <laughs> or, and you got plenty of money, I have no money. And this is all she, this was her sentence. If you remember, these people all have like one sentence. So the day I go to visit her, they're taking them into the rec room for like a little party action. It's a Friday. So the staff dresses up like the Keystone cops with the cop hats and they're wearing those big old fashioned mustaches. And they put my Aunt Lil next to this guy, Eddie Schles, and his one sentence is, I'm Jewish, help me. And then on the other side is someone with bright orange hair. I guess even though she was so old, they used to dye her hair for her. And her thing was, she was, she was so whacked out, they had her this is so sad. They had her, her arms tied to the wheelchair because it was something that she would do. Obviously, if her hands weren't tied, the arms weren't tied down. And she had a big smile on her face, even though she was tied into a chair. Oh, my God, I can't believe I'm telling this story. And she would look at me and go, I'm having the time of my life. So I had these three people sitting there, I'm having the time of my life. And my, I have no money. And the other guy, I'm Jewish, help me. And it, it was just going on. It was like a, it was like a parrot show. I'm having the time of my life. I have no money. I'm Jewish. Help me! And then <laughs> I remember the the Keystone cops. They took the, the, as like a snack. They took Chips Ahoy cookies with the yellow, the you know the, uh, the you know the not cheeso but the vanilla, the yellow ice icing, and they made happy face. And they come and they come up to the man next to my aunt and they go, Mr. Schles, would you like a cookie? And he just goes, get any cookies, and he kicks her, and the cookies are flying over. And then my aunt said, I have no money. I'm having the time of my life. And that's all I remember. That was that's so I'm sure your mom was involved in something that's 
oh, God bless these people. That was like 30 years ago. Wow. Crazy, crazy times. You've been so kind to come on here and sit with me, Bruce Smirnoff. And um, I'm so, I'll be checking into the closest mental institution before sundown on the Sabbath. <laughs> Thank you so much. I love getting to know you. Getting to know you is wonderful too. Bye bye, sweetie. Thank you. Bye, bye. everybody. Bye. Everybody's talking at the coming spot, the coming spot.